When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Friday episode. Woo! We did it! We made it through another week. This week felt like it should have been over on Tuesday, and now we've had to wait to Friday, but we made it. We did it. Let's have fun today. We are going to have a great episode. We got a full solo recap of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. This week's episode keeps getting weirder and weirder. Meredith only did three accents this week. So kind of, you know, if people bet, you know, she was going to do 50 or 60, we only got three, but a really solid three accents for Meredith. We're also going to cover a little bit of the Real Housewives of Orange County reunion part one. We'll get into that in a second. And Listen, it's crazy out there. Also, Patreon listeners, you got a couple surprises coming your way tomorrow. One of those will finally be my Tom Sandoval recap. Now, I was just working on part one, but then part, you know, the the second episode, not part two, the second episode, who knows, maybe it'll be a three-part podcast and that'll be it. His second episode uh, where he had the guest Jerry O'Connell on. And it's interesting, Jerry O'Connell pretty much interviewed Tom Sandoval and his podcast. Is Tom Sandoval's podcast just going to be people asking Tom questions? It's really kind of a very, it's a pivot on the format where the interviewer is actually being interviewed. <laughs> and I, I think that is, it's really a commercial for Tom to explain all of his transgressions and to become a good guy again. So in that sense, it might be working. So we'll go over all that on the Patreon because there are a couple of things that I took umbrage with and that I had a, a couple questions about and I need to exercise those demons. So I'll do that over on the Patreon and I have one other surprise for you over there this weekend as well. Uh, but let's exercise my demons right here, right now. How the heck are you guys? Are you good? Uh, so I took Thursday off. I only did four episodes this week because I did six last week and probably, you know, just easing into things, but what a great week it was. Um, really, I know you love those pop culture roundups. I, I know you love the recaps, but remember all these other episodes, like yesterday's, I was I, I really liked the mashup element of it. You had Jack Osborne talking about his paranormal ghost hunting show, but you also had a full solo recap of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills trailer and 
You also had my friend Beth explaining more about Taylor Swift and sports and Travis Kelsey and 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 the the quarterback Mahomes and his wife Brittany. This is all new information for me. So you really got a whole mashup of everything you need to know in pop culture in one episode. And then the day before that, we had all the ladies from Selling the OC, which by the way, did you see today they made that announcement that Tyler Tyler Stanlin, the guy that hooked up with Alex Hall at the end of uh, season two in the hot tub. He quit the show. He left the show. And I was like, I knew something was going on because when I talked to Alex in that interview, they had already shot season three. So I am so curious if he filmed season three and left after season three or what the skinny is. But I knew I, I felt it. I felt it in my pop culture bones. If you're not watching Selling the OC, it's 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 um it's it's wonderful in very weird ways. I think you know what I'm talking about. Also, they announced that uh, Selling Sunset is going to be coming up on November 5th. So you got we have too much TV. All of a sudden, it just seemed like too much TV on top of the shows that I never used to watch now that I'm watching, like, like Dancing with the Stars and our um, Special Forces. I, is that the name? I always get the armed force. I don't know. Whatever the show is, Sandoval's on Fox. You have the mass Singer, which Tom Sandoval was uh, let go of the show this week. He was the diver, as everybody correctly guessed. Uh, you also have The Golden Bachelor, which the second episode is tonight. I'm excited to watch that tonight. You got Southern Charm. Uh, you Married to Medicine is coming back. We got that trailer today. We got the Real Housewives of Miami trailer today, which looked amazing. We have the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills trailer, which I talked about. There are so many shows out there right now. Bachelor in Paradise. It is just it it it's mind blowing. I we we need to get on some sort of schedule and maybe just assign one of us like you watch this show and tell me about it. You watch this show and tell me about it because I mean at this point we're nearing the holidays. I wish these conglomerates would get together and go, hey, you know what? Maybe we should release all the shows that we want people to see in the summer. So as we head into like the holiday months, they can spend more time with their family. Or maybe we need. Things to keep us away from our family. Who knows? Are we in an election season? Are we in an election year? Who knows? Also, are you guys, are you excited, getting excited for BravoCon? It's coming up in like a month, less than a month. We're a month. Oh God, I think we're at the month mark right now. Uh, I will be there. Meditza will be there. I'm looking for one more VIP ticket. If anybody has one, reach out to me. That would be amazing. Um, but we will be there. I think there is something. We're going to do a meetup. So, we're still talking about all of that stuff. I can't believe it's been a year since that last one. Man, I am running on fumes, but we're going to be there. We're going to party our balls off. I mean, you don't, you know, it is a party. We're going to party. You don't need to party your ball. We're just going to party. That's it. We're going to have a blast. I can't wait to meet everybody and just be with other creators and, and people that all love these shows like I do. I wanted to give a quick shout out, a thank you to uh, a girl named Clelly. I, I think I'm pronouncing her name right. But she wrote in about my dad to me and suggested um, this care caregivers support group in uh, in Phoenix. And I, I passed it on to my dad and he signed up for it uh, to help with his grief and all of that stuff about my mom. And he said, you know what? It just, he said, you know, I, I actually started looking into this and then I got your email forwarding this information and this just must be a real sign that I need to do it. So my dad actually went and went to his 
uh, went, is going to his first caregiver support group meeting. And I'm so excited and happy for him because what I was, I was telling him, I said, listen, this pain is not going to go away. The only thing we need to try to do is to be able to manage it, to be able to find ways to, to, to keep going really, you know, because that's, um, you know, I think the mistake a lot of us have, or the mistake I, I had in the beginning and probably still will have this, make this mistake so many times is thinking that I can fix it, that I can heal it, that I can get past it. And, and this wound, this pain will always be there, you know, is, is you got to find ways to live with it. Um, because yeah, man, I miss, obviously I, I talk about my mom all the time. I miss her so much. I mean, truly it is like that missing limb that you feel you're like, Oh my God, where's, where's that attachment that I've had for so long. And, um, I think that it helps a little bit too. If you just think about, well, how do I manage this and not try to fix it or forget about it and try to face it head on and not expect these results of like, everything's going to be great, but just see what happens and meet other people that have gone through this, hear other people's stories. Uh, like my dad always says, like, we're not special going through this because everybody is going to go through this or has gone through something similar to this. Um, but it is interesting kind of experiencing it firsthand instead of other people's stories and, and how your, your moods and your thoughts can change day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. But anyways, I'm going to Arizona, um, I think tomorrow to go see my dad and hang out with him and go over some financials, all that fun stuff that you, you got to do, see where he's at. And then I come back to LA, then I go to back to New York for a Betches thing. And so I am just running as fast as I can. But thank you for joining with me. You know, you guys, this doesn't exist without you guys. I, I try to tell you this every day, but thank you for showing up. Don't worry, we're, we'll get to the laughs and the ha-has and the, you can leave my Meredith Marks in a second. But I just want to let you know, and maybe not even just for this podcast, but any podcast, anything that you deem to spend your time on, that makes it valuable because you chose to be here. That choice is huge. You know, the, the fact that you show up for me again and again and again, is wild to think about. And it's one of those things that I, I get so scared that everybody's going to leave. Everybody's going to stop listening. Now, all this, you know, it's, it's, I, I've never uh, relaxed in this. I never take it lightly. Uh, the show itself can be silly and all that stuff, but uh, all my thoughts underneath it is just so, you know, so ap appreciative. And, and how do we grow this? How do we, we grow this and, and, and keep the same energy and, and include more people and try to get more voices on here. I mean, I did six episodes last week and I got to tell you, to be honest, I probably could have done eight. And that's the sad thing too, is because when you have so much, you want to get out there and so many other people you want to talk to, you want to do it all at once. And it's hard because, you know, in podcasting or anything, they say, well, the less, the better. And that's just never how I've been. It's never how I've been. I mean, I really admire the people who can knock out like 30, 40 minute podcasts and it's like so easy and it's probably easier for the audience too, but not here. I am going to test your limits, baby. But also thank you to Betches. I mean, it's still just been so great. It's really nice how many uh, times they'll reach out or book me on other shows, which is cool. I got to be on page six's virtual reality with Evan Reel and Danny Murphy today. I don't know when that comes out. Uh, I got to be on this other podcast that was really cool called Catching a Scene over at Podcast One earlier this week. And I think that comes out next week. But each of these opportunities, you get to meet amazing people, talk to people that you either know and really like already, or you're getting to know and you kind of, you're like, oh, no wonder you do this. It's a really cool community to be a part of.
Um, so in that sense, I'm over the moon, but it's funny. Like it never, you know, it's like those, those things in life that you don't love. So you don't work hard at it. And you, so you don't care. You're like, ah, whatever. But this, you know, I care about, I care about. So you really work really hard, but sometimes it sucks to care about something because you're like, oh my God, I care too much. Every minute is like, oh no, does people like me? Can I do this? It's so, and somebody that grew up insecure, it just makes you face your doubts and fears on this day-to-day basis. So basically this will be my last show. <laughs> okay, you guys, all, all that crap and me kissing your butt is, is done. We're done with that. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Let's move on to Real Housewives of Orange County, the reunion. We've finally gotten to the reunion. What did you guys think? Did you like it? Uh, I liked it. It was fine. It, it is interesting though. It, and I do, I find this interesting. We found out at the very end, they said, you know, next week on the finale of the Real Housewives of Orange County reunion, it's only going to be a two part reunion. And if you watch part one, you kind of see like, oh yeah, they really couldn't fill this more than two parts, which I think is interesting in looking back on the season. But I also want to commend Bravo for not extending things that don't need to be extended. They, they're they doing the same thing with the Real Housewives of New York reunion. That's only going to be two parts. And also they just did it with the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion, which only needed to be two parts. And listen, at the very end, you had Drew Sedora coming out and singing to Ralph. At this point, if you do a two-part reunion, I'm petitioning for Drew Sedora to come out at the very end and just sing to whoever's the most wrong on that panel. You know, Drew Sedora singing to Tamra, like, I know what you want. Like, I would love that. But I like it. I like when you don't drag something out. But it's interesting, though. It's like only the three and the four-parters, they seem to be... You know, we had Vanderpump Rules, which they try to really extend because so much was revolving around that storyline. And then you also you had that with Beverly Hills. And I think they were, you know, when there are these big scenarios, you've got to give it more time. And the audience is definitely more engaged and needs more answers. But with Orange County, I think what we should celebrate, not just the fact that it's two parts, but it was a really solid season. And it was a rebuilding season in some ways because the last two seasons, I know there's this contingent that's like, last season wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, it was what it was. There were moments, right? Noella screaming by a pond. Ah! <laughs> 
Noella literally was like, I'm ready for my close up, like very Norma Desmond. She literally brought a cameraman down by a creek and said, hey, get a good angle while I scream and cry into this riverbed. Like that was truly amazing work, but something felt completely off about it. Now, this season, I've got to hand it to, and I've said this many times, Tamara Judge. Now, I've said this till I'm blue in the face. Tamara obviously is working under some kind of witchcraft that all of these ladies buy into everything that she's selling. I have never, and it's funny at this point. I don't even know if I'm frustrated anymore. At this point, it's funny because Tamara now, there is just video proof everywhere of her lying time and time again. Even in the first 10 minutes of the reunion, if you watch, she says things like, Listen, I'm very sorry that I said that. And then in the same breath, we'll be like, you're a bitch. You're a bitch. And that's why. Like the Jen Pedronti stuff with Tamara was wild. And also, shout out to Jen Pedronti. We might not love you with your dude, Ryan, but my God, I love when you stand up for yourself. I love when, like, stop with the the niceties. Stop. We get it. You're a good person. You want to be a nice person. You're in the jungle now, baby. You know, you got to fight. You're going to be killed or be killed. And Tamara's going to kill you. So you got to fight her. And that's what we saw Jen Pedronti do. Second time this season, she did it. And I think it worked just as good as the first time. But Tamara's that weird kind of character that seems to just skate by, even though she's the root of a lot of these things. And she also just collects information on each one of these ladies and then kind of deems when to use it. Now, Heather Dubrow took her eye off the prize somewhere between last season and the start of this season and said, hey, I'm trying to be Meryl Streep and I want to be in movies and TV again uh, and do some real acting and forgot where she was and thought she was going to be able to sail through this and didn't realize that Tamara was going to turn against her and the other ladies starting to turn against her. But I will say Heather, by default, ended up looking fine because we usually don't like a gang up season. A takedown season is one thing, but a takedown season that doesn't work is when it just doesn't really add up to a lot. The women in those moments when they were filming this season, it probably felt very natural and they felt like they were doing the right thing. I think only once filming stops and the audience gets their eyes on it and their opinions start coming out, do do they only probably realize of like, oh, why, wait, why why were we doing that? Heather, Heather uh, yeah, kind of annoying. Uh, doesn't have the best sense of humor, but she really did buy us so many gifts. <laughs> she really did buy us so many gifts. It, but it is interesting. You got to, you got to, you got to show up to filming and you got to produce. And Tamara did both of those things. Now, personally, not my favorite character. She's not a character I root for, but I love her as a housewife. I think she's solid as a housewife. So all these people have like, oh, she's got to go. She's so negative. No, it's it's weird. And it's one of those things we almost allow this for certain housewives of like, yeah, they're the troublemakers. But also we allow it because the other cast members buy into it so much. If, no, if none of the other cast members are going to wake up and like fully shut her down, then we're not going to shut her down. Like you guys are letting this happen on your watch. I mean, it is truly wild to see. So we had a lot of that Tamara stuff, which I just thought was ridiculous, but we do owe a lot of the drama and trauma to Tamara this season. She was the root of that. And, and at the end of the day, it made the show more watchable. But it is interesting. Once you watch the reunion, you start to realize you're like, wait a sec, it was immensely watchable. And a lot of it was really good. But you know what? When we're talking about it in a reunion format, not a lot of meat to talk about. There's not a lot of things like the big thing in part one of the reunion and 
listen, was great television was Gina coming at Shannon for the comments about her kids and CPS. And man, it only took six seasons, but Gina finally got a very solid scene where she spoke clearly, the anger was warranted, and she made her points and ended Shannon. I mean, she had Shannon rope-a-doped up against the ropes, like, woo! Like every, and, and Shannon just, you would think Shannon would have been a little more prepared because Gina was prepared. And Gina was coming from a very truthful, honest place, and I thought it was really amazing to watch. That was the thing that really floored me. Uh, they also said that Ryan, Jen's uh, boyfriend, maybe they'll be married at some point, chose not to show up because it was a no-win situation for him because, you know, saw what people were saying about him, saw what the ladies were saying about him and didn't want to fight with a woman, like didn't want to fight with Tamara because that would look bad as well. He's right though. Some of these people, and, and it really is a smart move because Brooks, if we want to kick it back to Brooks and compare him to Brooks, which I love to do, my name's Girth Brooks, um, is that Brooks showed up to the reunions and it was always a bad scene. Like it was always a bad scene. I mean, you had Vicky's daughter coming on and going like, he said this and this, I, I have a tape recording of it. It was bad news bears, but he was so narcissistic in his wants and desires that he thought, he could win win over the room. He thought he could win over the audiences. Like that's how disturbed his thinking was. A lot of the men on Bravo are like that. I mean, Sandoval is a little like that. I mean, Sandoval though is just, it just still shocks me how much he still wants to be in this. Like he craves being in this. I always just think it's just wild. Like you could just go to therapy, man, but it's not just the therapy. He wants to be out there. He wants to be a public figure. I've never seen somebody crave celebrity quite like this. I mean, you see that, I guess, with a lot of reality stars, but it's interesting when somebody has been smacked down for something that they did, they themselves did to still want that spotlight is wild to still be like, well, I've got more eyes on me ever like than ever before. I need to do as much as I can with this. It's really interesting. I think that it should be studied. Maybe we're studying it here, I guess. So the Ryan thing, like, I just don't care. Like, probably not the guy for Jen, but I like Jen. And I can't, I, I'm excited for Jen in a second season. Do I, I just don't really care or think that relationship is going to fully last, but I hope that she stays on the show. So if the relationship doesn't last, we get to watch how she handles that. I think that will be very interesting. So this was two parts. So they cut out a lot of filler, even though there did feel like some filler moments. We we didn't get the trailer scenes from the beginning where Andy stops by the trailers and goes, hey, nice hair, Shannon Bedore. You know, those little fun, flirty things at the beginning. What we do get is we literally have the same technology behind Las Vegas's The Sphere and we have like, they get them all to set and then they turn on, they turn on this huge screen with all of these LED lights. It looks beautiful. And, uh, they're all the ladies are like, you know, Gina's like, guess where we live. But it's like, I'm like, Gina, you don't live there. They didn't show a casita. They showed the ocean. Like only Heather Dubrow truly probably lives in that area. Then there was some dialogue. If it was a, um, if it was like live footage, Nanny's like, no, it's, it's taped. Like, it's like some poor guy from Real Housewives of Orange County is just doing a live shot of the, the ocean. That, that truly is amazing. I did also want throughout the reunion, I wanted things to pop up. Like I would have liked Shannon's car to just go over the cliff, just like Thelma and Louise, like, woo! And we see it dive into the middle of the LED screen in the ocean. Like I wanted fun things like that. Also, may I recommend or suggest to Evolution, who produces Orange County, if you're going to have that big LED flat screen, 
show us clips from the show on that big flat screen. I want to see these ladies watching themselves. I know, I don't know, I don't know why they don't do that. I need these ladies watching themselves. I need it. I, I want it. I think we should try it at least once. Come on. So those filler things were gone away, but we had the panorama screen. So that was great. We went a little bit into Ryan's flaccid dick pic, which I'm still confused about. And Jen didn't do herself any favors because she did have one story where she said it was sent on a plane. Then she had another story was in, in her bed. It seems like there was some confusion on there, but we didn't really dig in like I thought we would. But it became really apparently obvious that Tamara use Jen this season to kind of humiliate and use her as a punching bag, use her as a warm up for these other ladies. I just think that Tamara took more glee in picking on Jen because she actually was able to ingratiate or, you know, put herself in with those other ladies and rule the roost much quicker than I think she even thought she, she could, because she even admitted she was scared to get back into filming. But I think within the first two episodes after that boat episode where she like was overdoing it she settled in found her sea legs and then turned out winning the season in a sense but remember Tamara still is not handled we don't really have any personal storylines like i'm sorry eddie closing cut fitness or you know whatever is cut is cut fitness i still don't think cut fitness was an actual fitness center it seemed like a, like a dating place to like to meet to meet professionals you know it seemed it seemed like a place where literally that's what Tamara said ryan went in and said i'm gonna fuck that girl that's what Cut fitness seemed like a fun place to meet victims. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we had uh, that whole thing. I, I, Tamara, I'm not really interested in watching her son, Ryan, who, you know, took up the personality of a Yellowstone season one. You know, he's like, howdy, Tamara, I'm your son, Ryan. Uh, I used to be in tattoos and then I got into guns and now I'm uh, my personality's on a ranch, and now I have a little bit of a, a draw, and I wear a cowboy hat to hang my balding head because my hair didn't even want to be around me. <laughs> I'm right. It is hysterical, though, is that Tamara does have all of these little things that you could really go after her for, but nobody does that. Like, Tamara will go below the belt. That's what's fascinating about her. And some of these other ladies, like Jen, don't go below the belt. And they should. They should say, this isn't real life. This is Housewives. Tamara's going to play this way. I got to play dirty, too. You just have to. You have to. You've got to, like, keep your head in the game. And when you do, Jen, when you do that a couple more times, Tamara will have no other choice but to respect you. And when you have the audience's favor a little bit more, she will try to be friends with you. I feel like that's what it is. She gauges audience reactions. I feel like that's even why the Shannon relationship healed a little bit quicker because I think she knew the audience at the end of the day. You know, Shannon obviously is riddled with insecurities and issues, but we still root for her. I mean, last night looked very horrible and that Gina, ooh, that Gina thing just did not do any favors for Shannon. But it's one of those things that you root for somebody that doesn't fully believe in themselves when they should. And I think that's interesting. And I'm so curious what Shannon does at this point moving on. And I really hope she I really hope she makes the right decisions because I see uh, you know, I I I I maybe it's foolish. And maybe it's like, you know, if, if, if Shannon can find her way, maybe we can all find our way. <laughs> so Emily kind of piped in here and there. Emily didn't have any huge moments to me. She did look amazing uh, yesterday and they did talk about her weight loss. Um, that was all, all good. It was weird though. They brought out Taylor Armstrong and Taylor Armstrong had very extreme kind of Blade Runner makeup. If that reference makes any kind of sense to you. And, uh, 
She came in and it was, it had a little bit of a fiery exchange with Heather Dubrow about helping women. Like, I help women. How dare you suggest otherwise? I have raised millions for women in terms of domestic violence. And, and that, I'm sure, is very true due to her very personal story that she shared on Beverly Hills. Um, but they had a little bit of back and forth, but she was like kind of gone. I felt like she was out there for like one and a half segments. And then they said goodbye to her. And that's when I realized, oh, this is going to only be two parts. Cause you know, we had a little bit of the IMDB, IMDB thing in there. I mean, that was, but none of it really like, you know what I'm saying? Like I never, I was excited to see it. I enjoyed it, but I never really took off in my imagination until the scene with Gina and Shannon at the end. Also, do we really believe that Heather DeBro doesn't know where Oklahoma is? I, there's just no fucking way. She's Miss Fancy Pants. She knows everything. There's no way. She was being snarky with that comment about Oklahoma, about not knowing where that is. And I, uh, I think that's hysterical. Also a story got brought up that they, when they were there, um, for that camping trip, was it in, was it Montana or wherever they were, Heather DeBro ran into a producer of one of her old sitcoms and she went up to her and said, oh my God, hire me, get me off so I can f- quit this show. And all the girls took offense to that. But listen, Heather said, these girls all like trash me and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I said it in a joking way, but like, I want, yeah, in that, in that instance, I didn't want to be there. And I will say, yeah, it's not fun to be the person that's picked on. And I will say that Heather, deep down, and probably not even that deep, does think she's better than all of those women. And I guess if you go by financials alone, that is true. Like the rest of it, not so much. But I do question why people put themselves in the path of a speeding train if they don't have to. I I don't sometimes understand that at all. Oop, sorry. I don't understand that at all. Um, It's just, why put yourself in that? Especially if you're comfortable financially. I guess you just want your name out there, your image out there. And it's something that I find very curious about all reality stars is that if you have money and you have the ability to go do something else, why go do that? Why do you stay in this? So she says she does appreciate the platform and she's probably going nowhere. So then we go to the Gina scene at the very end. We talk about the divorce from Matt. Um, What I think is that Gina did herself a lot of good. I think Andy was very impressed how she spoke uh, for herself uh, against Shannon and, you know, said it very passionately and succinctly. And then Shannon only had comebacks of like, keep on yapping, keep on crying, Gina. Like, you know, and doing all of the, you know, doing all the Shannon hand motions and everything, but didn't really have any kind of solid ground on which to stand. Like that was the thing is that Gina goes, listen, you literally should have come out here and just apologized. You know, you still really truly haven't done that, but you're still kind of fighting. Like it was weird. Shannon was completely in the wrong so much so that Tamara didn't even defend Shannon, like just kept her mouth shut. That is why, you know, Tamara is a true fan of reality shows. She knew in that moment, abandon ship. You cannot stand up for Shannon in this moment. Just be quiet. And Shannon didn't know how to stand up for herself because what she said was indefensible. And unfortunately, it led into the, I don't even remember saying that about CPS and your kids because she was hammered. That's That was wild. And so we get that. And also how tragic that right before that, we get the blank screen with the, the typing of like, 
you know, this reunion was filmed 10 days prior to Shannon Bedore hitting a house. Now, I mean, she didn't say, but you know, like, you know, DUI had that whole thing. Then we saw that Gina Shannon fight. And then at the very end of that, had that warning, like of you or someone, you know, has a problem with drugs or alcohol, please call this number. And I thought, wow, what an interesting start to that scene and end of that scene and how embarrassing in certain ways. But I think it's one of those things like Tamara is that we all see it in plain. We all see it. It's out there in the open. Tamara throwing people under the bus, lying. But here's the thing. We've all seen Shannon's behavior, not just this season, but others. We've all seen how she likes her drink. We all see that she likes to be fun, Shannon. We've seen this time and time again. You know, her hitting that house, it it was wild knowing what happens 10 days after this. But you kind of see... You see, you know, and, and we read into everything, right? But you saw Shannon this season. You've seen her previous she- seasons. But I hope this was just a gigantic wake-up call. But J- Shannon didn't do herself any favors in this fight. And I was really impressed how Gina really kind of kept at her, said no. You know, she even asked, what are my children's names? And Shannon was like, ah, uh, Sienna uh, and, and Gina's like that's one what's the other one ah, I, I'm flustered I don't know and, and and Gina was like keep my kids names out of your mouth I mean keep keep my one kid's name you know out of your mouth and the other one you don't know just don't even refer to that person don't even refer to my kids I'm Gina so I thought that was really and it, I it was really gripping to watch. It was it was very like Gina, my children, my children. And Gina's eyes were just like popping out. Oh, but I thought it was great because, you know, Gina, uh, Shannon, she looked like, the, you know, even the sun was like, you're a little bright, Shannon, a lo- very bright yellow with the Erica Jane hair. It was very weird. All the 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 reunion costumes did not go together at all. Uh, Heather DeBrow dressed like she was going to a funeral. Um, so next week we have Emily talking about the snuffleupagus comment in the preview. Maybe Vicky's going to pop there. Who knows? Maybe she'll pop up and scare everybody. I don't know, but I, I, you know, I, I think it's time for this season to end and see how they go out. But I think this season all around was just so much better than the previous two. So it did what it needed to do. What did you guys think about the, uh, the, the reunion? Did you like it? I mean, I'm like waiting. Did you guys wait? Tell me what you think. Uh, So yeah, I think it was great. Uh, Just one really powerful moment that I think potentially, I don't know. We always say this. I think that earned Gina another season. Do we like, we never really know what earns anybody another season, but she handled herself well. And my thought in my mind is that will Gina come back and be able to either help Shannon through her struggles or really nail her to the wall for that slip up, especially when the law was involved and uh, how that goes, you know, or does production take it easy on Shannon and say, you really are dealing with some real issues. We want you back. So we'll take it a little easy on you. I'm so curious how they will approach this because obviously Shannon is in a very vulnerable state, but at the same time, you know, when you say things about CPS and people's children, that puts Gina in a very vulnerable state. So I don't know. I have so many thoughts about it, but I have a lot of thoughts about this Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 4, Episode 5. This one is called The Nastiness and Rumors. It's called The Nastiness the nastiness and Rumors. And obviously, this is about uh, that title is from Meredith Marks's beautiful, uh, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, 
commentary she gave outside that Palm Springs restaurant to Lisa Barlow, where she started in her accent work of like the nastiness. When you want to talk about the husband, you talk about the husband. If I want to go for the jugular and talk about the sh- the rumors and nastiness about her, well, let me do that. Do you I know think- what? You want me to go there with her husband? I can go there. Don't with me. Okay, tell her to off. Don't fuck with me, tell her to fuck off. <laughs> so, uh, they titled this episode after part of Meredith Mark's monologue. That's when you know a monologue really clicks when they name a Housewives episode after it. The nastiness and remus. You want to talk about I Listen, I'm an older man and I literally just now talk like Adam Sandler doing Meredith Marks, you know, like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm Meredith Marks. I got one by, I, I do a bug eye when I'm serious. The bug eye, by the way, Whitney refers to Meredith Marks, to Meredith Marks's one eye because Meredith will like hit you with a one eye. She's like, hey, I'm a pirate. I'm Meredith Marks the pirate. But also, what she was referring to with Lisa Barlow, the nastiness, the rumors, you know, you want to talk about the husband? We now get the official rumor, Rima, we get it about Angie K's husband. And that comes out towards the end of the episode in a very interesting way of kind of like hot potato of like, wouldn't he like, I don't know the rumor I do, but I want you to say it. You say it, Monica, you say it the room. Oh my God. That's the rumor. Let's tell Meredith. It was interesting of like a hot potato rumor of who's going to get it on camera. That is the kind of interest. It reminds me, and I use this example all the time of survivor. I'm watching the new season of survivor on CBS and they always, they're like so into gameplay and they've studied season after season. Housewives has turned into that in a bit where they just study seasons. They're like, okay. in season three of Beverly Hills, this is what, you know, this is who threw this under the bus by using this move. And they've started to think of it as gameplay now. And I think it's interesting I don't love that because I want to see these women act naturally to some degree and have their real personalities come out without thinking about winning the season or, you know, certain moves to make to get on top. But it is becoming this kind of really dumb game of chess, you know, chess for dummies, if it were, um, to make yourself look better in the season, to like, you know, win favor with the fans and the other ladies in the scene. And, you know, I thought it was very, I don't mind it in Salt Lake because Salt Lake is such a weird kind of messy housewives iteration that it kind of works. Like the gameplay, I don't mind because sometimes it's a little bit of an obvious gameplay. Sometimes it's not as smooth as other seasons, you know, like, and that's why I think Rinna got so bad at the end of Beverly Hills. She used to be one of the best game players out there. Um, and she just got so heavy handed with it, you know, of like, wait, what is, what is whatever Kathy's doing? Like, what does this have to do with you, Lisa? You know, what does it, any of this have to do with you? Oh my God. The show slowly rots their brain sometimes. I truly, truly believe that. 
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. So this one, uh, also a special shout out to Laura Beth Harp, who took the notes again, once again for me on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And she said like some mess got messed up with her computer. So at the very end, she was like taking notes on her phone and just to, like, that's really hard. Like I've done that. You can't, I'm, and I've got these big fat thumbs. It's really hard to take detailed notes about e- what these ladies are all talking about. It's really wild. So this is the description the cable company gives us to see if it's going to entice us to watch the show. It says Heather talks to her daughters about the effect her book has had on them. Okay. Uh, Whitney and Justin struggle with their changing roles. Now that Justin is back to work, Lisa hosts an event and confronts Monica. So on its face, that description does not do a lick for me. Like, I'm like, I don't care. I don't, the book, what? And then Je- Justin's going back to work. Cool. Lisa hosts an event, confronts Monica. Eh, we get a lot of confrontation each week. But I will say that description does not describe this nearly as what it is. And also Salt Lake description should be completely batshit. It should be like, um, <laughs> it should be. Like Mary shows up, still hates everyone there and fat shames Monica. Like I would, I want these descriptions to be wild. Like Meredith Marks chooses only three accents this hour. Heather talks about hanging with Snoop Dogg, like really entice us, really, really entice us. Angie Kay's husband potentially has slept with men, like really get into there. So the, the, the episode we didn't even start with last week on Salt Lake City, they just go right into it. But they're coming off the heels of that Palm Springs trip where a lot, you know, Monica wasn't invited, but Whitney took her to the event. Heather Gay, two weeks ago, peed and puked in the Sprinter van, iconic. Uh, a lot has happened and Monica and Lisa started getting into it. Monica is starting to lose it a little bit in the sense of really, she's like laser focused now on Lisa Barlow. And you're not going to win with a Barlow because Barlow is very confident in being Barlow. Oh my God. That's a great, when Lisa has her, her offshoot reality show, it can, it can, it should be called being Barlow. Bean Barlow, it is the most amazing thing to do. I'm very comfortable with Bean Barlow. Tin roof, 
rusted. Love shack, baby. <laughs> I'm on the hunt for my $60,000 ring. Join me and a team of urban professionals as we tear apart Palm Springs. I'll also have my glam squad with me to look good while doing it. I work hard. Uh, so the episode opens as it does with all episodes with the Salt Lake City choral music. And we get shots of Salt Lake City at night. All these beautiful Salt Lake wintry backdrops with that choral music. Just goose pimples all over my skin. And we find ourselves at a restaurant where Meredith Marks and Seth Marks are eating together. And Seth, by the way, Seth, if you like, he had like seven, seven bracelets on. This man is really loving a bracelet accessory. So good for you, Seth. I, I like, you know, that's when you know Seth is like, he's into like positivity and enlightenment. Cause he's like, look at me. I've got a bunch of bracelets on. I got seven bracelets. I'm not like a, I'm like friendship braceleting at a Taylor Swift concert for the love of God. I'm in Canton, Ohio. But Seth's like, Hey Meredith, how was the dessert tonight? And Meredith's like, I'm still kind of, um, uh, digesting. Uh, Oh, sorry. No, he didn't say, how was the dessert? He goes, how was the desert? How was that Palm Springs? Well, I'm still kind of digesting. Um, a lot went on. And Seth goes, oh, Nelly. Oh, Nelly. Oh, boy. Oh, here we go. Meredith's going to tell me a tale, I bet. And Meredith goes, so we go to Trixie Motel and we see flashbacks of all this. So we get, you know, not only is Whitney there, but Angie is there who was not invited. And Meredith's like, at dinner, Seth, she unleashed on me. Angie K unleashed on me and I felt overwhelmed by everything. And then we see the, you can leave. By the way, I would love to have, you know, cause Seth and Mary would love to take those little romantic uh, bubbly baths and stick their toes in each other's bottoms. Uh, I, I'm not making up. They said that last season. Um, do you ever wonder if Meredith says you can leave in the water and like you can leave? It would like create like an automatic bubble bath or like a whirlpool. And Seth's like, my God, Meredith, when you say you can leave into this bath water, it tickles my taint. My God. Um, so Seth is just there drinking with his bracelets on, listening to his wife. Meredith's like, so Lisa lost her ring in the bathroom at the airport and she and Monica, she had a little disagreement. And so, um, and we get then more flashbacks to Angie's behavior, all the relentlessness with her and Lisa, way too many flashbacks at the beginning of this episode. Um, and there are all these rumors, Seth, about there, about Angie that I have heard. And, um, isn't it funny how Meredith hears every rumor? I mean, the, the late, uh, the lady just, just is a fly trap for rumors. She's heard every good, does anybody have any good rumors out there? I'm all here. <laughs> I love a good rumor. <laughs> she hears all of the rumors and Seth's like, Hey, what's the, what the, what the frick? What, what the frick's the rumor about Angie K Meredith? Well, I just think uh, it's somewhat ironic that this woman woman is trying to tear into me and then think that karma's not going to be served to her. And by the way, when she says karma, she's like Meredith Marks. Yeah, you think that Meredith Marks going to kick her ass with a false rumor, potentially? Poor Seth. Seth's like, I'm just trying to add to my bracelet con- you know, collection, and now I have to deal with this. Also, let's do a podcast check. 
Because remember three episodes or four episodes ago, it was revealed that Meredith and Seth Marks have a podcast. And then a couple of weeks ago, I checked and the second episode wasn't even out. So already Tom Sandoval is doing better than them. So it's called Hanging by a Thread. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We did finally. Oh, my God. Okay, so September 12th was the first one. It was called Hanging by a Thread, 17-minute episode. This next one was released two days ago, and it's called The Reality of Reconciliation, and it's also 17 minutes. And it says, this week, Seth and Meredith Marks opens up about the reality of their reconciliation, which unfolded during a global pandemic while filming a reality TV show. They utilize the tools they learned in discernment therapy, applying them both on reality TV and in their real lives to strengthen the bond they share. How is that only 17 minutes? My God, I fart and it's more than 17 minutes. How is the how is their whole reconciliation story 17 minutes? Well, you know, and then uh, I decided to forgive him. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the people were saying I fucked half of New York and uh, that I live in New York. And I was like, well, let's uh, give Seth a good old second shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> we do the taglines and the ladies taglines. Lisa, I'm on a mission to serve Lisa. And I love that for myself. Heather's like, I own a beauty empire, so I don't need any of your lip service. Also, that's a really weird one because Angie K has a way bigger beauty empire than Heather does right now. Monica's like, I keep my friends close, but my secret's closer. I'm wearing a wire. And Meredith's, in a town full of dirty lies, everyone can use a bath. <laughs> Angie K says, I'm Greek. No, Angie says, I may be Greek, but don't expect an olive branch from me. Expect me to wear sunglasses that cover my entire body. And then Whitney's is just, having faith in myself is the only religion I need. Uh, we hear the beautiful choral music again. Oh, oh, oh. And we see Lisa getting out of her car and all this black dress number. She's just all in black. And they're at the mint facial bar, the mint facial bar to meet Meredith. And Lisa's like, hey, how are you? Oh, good. How are you, Lisa? Oh, good. Have you recovered from Palm Springs? You know, I've been sleeping a lot. I'll tell you that. Oh, my gosh. I was, like, tired. Yeah. I'm so happy that, like, we're good. Me too, Meredith. It's, like, major. It is major because we still don't really truly know why. It potentially is like the reconciliation with Seth. Well, I just woke up one day and I just figured, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck it. I just, I'll be friends. The ladies hug and Meredith goes, oh, facials. And Lisa's like, oh my God, are you ready? And Meredith's like, yeah. So the ladies are there. They're getting checked in. And the the, the facial place, this mint facial says, hey, we're going to be doing a scan on your skin to see what your treatment plan will be today. And Meredith is there and she's like, oh my God, my spray tan is awful, Lisa. You see, look how blotchy this is. And Lisa's like, where did you go for your tan though? And Meredith goes, I just went to Park City. And then Lisa goes, I'm banned from them. I'm banned. <laughs> so Lisa Barlow is banned from them. And Meredith's like, wait, where, why are you banned? Because this girl wouldn't let me tan. <laughs> this girl this girl was like, no, no, Lisa, you will not be. She's like, you will turn into tan mom. You are the cover of Cheetos. You cannot do this. And he goes, let me tan. Mayor's like, stop it. 
And he's like, no, no, no. I went in and I was like, hey, I have an event tomorrow. I need to tan. And they're closing in like 30 minutes. And so I was like, let me tan. And it escalated until I was like, let me fucking tan. How do we not have the footage? Mint facial. Can somebody call mint facial tomorrow and ask to get this footage? Because I'm, I'm telling you. You're talking about potentially a Lisa Barlow Karen situation at a tanning salon at a tanning salon. Oh my God. Let me fucking tan. Look at me. I'm like, I'm albino at this point. Help me. So Meredith's like, that's crazy, Lisa. And then she's like, you need to leave. And then I got an email from corporate that said, we appreciate your eight years of patronage, but we're canceling your membership. And then John's like, oh my gosh, I have to call and cancel mine too now. I love that Lisa Barlow outs John as a big tanner. John's like, I just, I need my wife and my family and I need a good 30 minutes on one of the highest, uh, brightest, brightest wattage of beds that you have. And now I've lost that because, by the way, this is probably another first tanning salon they've been kicked out with years. But I love, like, I can tell, this is, wouldn't that be a fucking iconic scene in Housewives if Lisa Barlow got kicked out of a tan? Let me fucking tan. Do, why are you against me tanning? Is my money not good here? So the ladies have their fa- faces scanned for this facial. And Lisa says one of Meredith's, images she's like oh my god you look like an avatar but these scans really are like it it i mean this is like a horror film like the the middle picture looks insane on both of these ladies i'm like let's just assume my skin is rough like do we need to make me look like a fucking horror franchise um we find out that meredith has a buildup of dead skin cells that's all. The, that's where Meredith stares, uh, stores all the rumors in those skins. Are the rumors? I steer them in my dead skin shows. Lisa is disgusted by what her scans look like. She's like, oh my God, this machine is insane. I'm going to sue. Oh my God. Ah, this is like a Saw movie. Lisa in a confessional is like, this machine is so rude. But now the ladies lay down to get their facials. And Lisa's like, you know what's nuts, Meredith? What's that, Lisa? When I met you, Chloe wasn't even bat mitzvahed yet, your daughter. And Mary's like, I know. And Brooks was just starting high school. It's nuts that they're all out of the house now. You guys are true empty nesters. And Meredith goes, it's so crazy. And you're just kind of starting on that journey yourself. I hate it, Meredith. You know what's going to be really hard? When Jack gets his mission call, he could literally be called anywhere. We can't go see him and he can't come home. What, he's going to get the mission call to that tanning salon where you can't go, Lisa? No, that's obvious. The mission, they go for two years and you can't have, you know, you're, you're not able to see your family. It really, the Mormon religion, there's some really true intense commitments with that religion, especially. Um, Mary's like, that's going to be difficult. Yeah, I like cry every day. I'm like a baby. Yes, it's hard, Lisa. But you know what? Seeing them move forward as adults is so rewarding. Um, my son has a clothing line with his name, just Brooks and Marks all over it. So 
that's very rewarding to see. It's like, wow, I did something right there, you know? Yeah, that feels so good. Wow, this facial, it was so worth taking my makeup off for. Then we get a flashback to Lisa Barlow breaking down about doing drag makeup in Palm Springs, where she's like, I'm the best person. I play along with everything, but it's bothering me. I'll put up with everything, but this is my fucking face. I love that. She says she's like the most unbothered person, but now we have this scene from last week with the drag thing where she's like, I'm not doing drag makeup. And then we also hear about a, an urban folk tale about her at a tanning salon. Like let me fucking tan. Uh. Anyways, Lisa says, I am never dressing up on a girl's trip again. Never. And then Meredith does that weird evil laugh that she keeps doing. of like, <laughs> but I just felt things weren't even resolved in Palm Springs. You know, like there was just so much like, weirdness i just think i want to get everybody together for an opera opera so soiree no ski no opera ski just opera soiree it's gonna be fun whitney's coming heather's coming mary's coming and then i'm inviting monica too the ladies now have their light like led red light face masks at this point where they kind of look like jabberwockies um, like from Vegas. It's truly a horror film, this scene. And Meredith goes, oh, good. Um, It's not healthy to dwell, you know, you know. Well, by the way, that's rich coming from Meredith. You detective, you image? And this is like, yeah. Lisa in the confessional goes, I'm still irritated with Monica, but there's no winning. If I don't invite her, she'll come up with some new accusations. Like, oh, I'm not part of your 1%. It's so much easier to just say, I'm having a party. Come. Lisa would be like, I'm having a party. Come work. It. Do you need extra money? You can serve hors d'oeuvres. Lisa goes, I should wear head to toe labels to get a reaction from Monica. And Meredith goes, oh, God, Lisa, oh, God. Well, I'm like, you're the one that's triggered. And Meredith goes, I I mean, the two of you, come on. I love Meredith. Like, you're just like my kids. You, you ladies are crazy. So new scene, we are now at Eight Settlers Restaurant. And we see Monica walking in to meet Whitney. And Monica goes, oh, my gosh, you look so gorgeous. Always. Thank you. You look so pretty. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm tired. I'm just trying to kind of recover. I know, girl. Me too. How are the girls? Did they do well while you were gone? Oh, they did okay. Actually, we lost my dog. <laughs> yeah, he got out while I was gone. <laughs> they didn't want to tell me. Thanks to like all the dog websites where you can post your dog is missing. We found him yesterday when he's like, okay, yeah, good. That's crazy. <laughs> like this, no wonder her daughter was crying on the phone call from FaceTime last week. Fucking lost the dog. Lost the dog. That dog's just like, get me out of here. She's wearing a wire all the time. She sent Jen Shaw away for eight years. I'm next. Help. <laughs> it's like Benji the Hunted. Whitney's like, okay, yeah, good. So the ladies order. And Whitney's like, um, so how are you and Lisa? Oh, she's having her fun little ski event. And I'm going to that. Oh, good. So I feel like we're okay. I mean, it's great. She invited you. I think that's a good sign. And you can have the opportunity to clear the air if you want. You think I need to clear the air? Winnie's, hee hee hee, just giving you fair warning. It took me three years to get back into her good graces. 
I'll just be like, you're a materialistic fuddled daddy, but I love you. And when he goes, I wouldn't say that. That's not at all how I would tell her. And Monica's like, okay, I have to be honest, Monica. I'm like, we have a lot in common. I love, I lose my dogs too. I love your energy and your vibe. But like the trip can have made me pause for a second. Why, Whitney? Because I was just like a little, little bit of a red flag for me when you were going after Lisa and Angie. I don't want to like invest time in someone that goes for their friends like that. First off, that's wild. You, I've seen people invest in friendship for much less on housewives. Like, don't say I, I'm not going to invest in our friendship because I didn't like what you said to Lisa Barlow on Etchinet. You know, like, come on. Monica goes, yeah, I mean, if your friend is acting crazy, I think you should call them out. You're doing it to me right now, right? Yeah. So that's the same exact thing I did to Angie. I feel like Meredith handled it great. And I feel like Angie, she just said some really hurtful things about her business. And that's really what set me off. And we get that flashback to Angie K going like, I'm Greek and your jewelry store has cobwebs all over it, which Angie K was on Watch What Happens Live and doubled down about how dusty Meredith Marks's uh, store is. So, which by the way, Angie K had a decent appearance on Watch What Happens Live with Bo and Yang. Monica goes, you know how hard it is. You have a business, Whitney. Yeah, so does Angie. Right. And imagine how she would feel if someone just all of a sudden said some stuff about her business. Well, from my perspective, it looks like you went against your two friends and were sucking up to Meredith and Heather. So it just seemed like a huge flip. Well, I stand by what I said 100%. I sense that you're getting defensive, Monica. I don't want you to feel defensive. I am getting defensive. Yeah. Well, I just want you to explain yourself. I want to know where this is coming from. Well, I feel like I'm explaining myself. Maybe you're not used to dealing with someone like me. I felt like Angie, she's like, speak right into this lapel, Whitney. Speak right here so the microphone can pick you up. I, I felt like Angie was out of line. And as her friend, which I told her when I had that conversation with you, Angie, I'm going to call you out when I feel like you're digging yourself in a hole. And when he's like, that makes sense, I guess. And Monica in a confessional is like, as a grown ass woman, we should all be strong enough to be able to face ugly truths. I would rather know where I stand with you than be fooled about how you really feel. So I am grateful that Whitney is comfortable enough to be able to tell me how she's feeling. And Whitney's like, thanks for hearing me out. Cause I was like, oh damn, this is how we do friendships. No, but see, no, no, no. And I'm glad that you came to me though. And Meredith, Meredith, I feel like needed someone to have her back. <laughs> I love that. It's like Meredith was shit canned and she was slurring and doing a British accent. So I felt like she needed help when he's like, just be careful, be careful with Meredith. Like you just be careful. <laughs> I like that Meredith's like Freddy Krueger. Like, have you heard about the man with the claws? Be careful. He comes to you in your dreams. One, two, Meredith's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your doors. Five, six, which accent is she talking in? Seven, eight, she's got her pirate eye to look at you. Nine, ten, you can leave. Monica goes, wait, wait, what are you talking about, Whitney? Here's the thing. At the airport, Meredith um, pulled me aside and was like, you should know and be warned that I have all this dirt on Angie. Monica goes, did she do it in a nice way? Like, hey, just be careful. I like Monica's like, did Meredith pull you aside and, and say, <laughs> warn you about Angie in a non-scary way? And Whitney goes, no. And Whitney goes, no, she got her very serious eye out. <laughs> Which, and then she does it. The, 
If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it. But I, and Monica goes, oh my God, that's disgusting. When he goes, this is what she always does. It's like, I have all this information. She's done it to every single one of us and she will do it to you too. Whitney in a confessional, Whitney in a confessional goes, Every time Meredith feels wrong, it's like all of the sudden a rumor gets its wings. We get a flashback to Meredith through the seasons discuss- discussing rumors about Jen, about Lisa. I mean, Meredith really has been on the, you know, the the this the telling side of all of these rumors season after season. I mean, things that we still haven't fully like, you know, of Lisa potentially sleeping with somebody about Vita Tequila. You know, you have you know, Jen Shaw being uh, flagged at like Louis Vuitton and where she couldn't, you know, like a lot of like weird rumors. Like I've, um, I heard something today. It's very interesting. And these rumors don't always turn out to be true, but it always seems to come from Meredith. This is behavior kind of like with Tamara. We were talking about OC. You got to flag now. You got to really call it out because it's one of those plays that she thinks she can keep making. And we got to make sure she can't make that play. If these are completely false rumors, she's making up. Um, so Whitney says, why can't she just have a normal hobby? Go to yoga, collect trinkets. She, I love how she says trinkets. She says, trinkets, trinkets, trinkets. A bird, watch birds. And then Whitney goes, I'm just so sick of this bullshit, toxic behavior from Meredith. Like, it has to stop. And Monica goes, look, we've all heard stuff about each other, right? It doesn't make it true. Well, sure. Did you tell Angie she said that? No, I haven't seen Angie yet. I honestly do not want to get involved in the Angie and Meredith thing because I'm still trying to figure it out. And Monica goes, I feel like you're scared of Meredith. No, I'm not scared of Meredith at all. She's right behind you. Oh, shit. <laughs> she goes, I'm just sick of this like repeated cycle that she gets on. Well, I do think that Angie and Meredith have something way deeper than any of us understand. And I think it's going to blow up. So com- commercial break, we come back, we arrive at Whitney's house and Whitney walks in with a cake in her hand and her husband, Justin, and her kids are all there. It's like, hey, babe. And Justin's like, oh, wow. Congratulations, Justin Rose. Dad's going back to work. And Justin's like, that's awesome, babe. Let me see it. Don't drop a cake this time. I'm not going to drop it, Justin. And then we get a flashback to Whitney two seasons ago when she dropped Justin's birthday cake, when they were all like kind of semi-nude going into that hot tub. That was really actually pretty funny. They were tipsy. Justin's like, you guys ready for me to go back to work? And Bobby, Whitney's daughter, who's 12, is like, I don't even know. And Justin's like, you don't know. And Whitney in a confessional goes, when Justin lost his job last year, he had a one-year non-compete clause, which means he could not work for one year. How do you feel, Justin? Well, I don't know, babe. I feel, I don't know how I feel, to be honest with you. So it's been one year and Justin accepted a new job. When he goes, we're going to really need to figure out a new daily routine and chores are probably going to change responsibilities because both mom and dad are working full time now. And Justin's like, I'm going to miss taking you guys to school. You're still going to be taking them to school. Uh, Yeah, I mean, taking to school, but probably not picking up. And Justin goes, yeah, you guys need to step it up. And then Brooks, Whitney's son, 10, goes, can you pick me up, mom? Let's back up because this is like, well, hon, I guess we need to talk about that, right? Yeah, we all need to go get your homework done, okay? And they send the kids off. Whitney in a confessional goes, my thing is that with running my two businesses and being a mom and now Justin's not going to be around, how are we going to manage it? Um, Justin, you go back to work and now everything's on my head again, like laundry, cleaning kids. Like, are you expecting me to just be able to like take it all on? Cause like 
because that's kind of the vibe. And Justin's like, no, babe. And he smiles at Whitney. You're going back to the male dominant role again. I'm a little bit lost though. You know, I was going back to work. Like, I don't know where the breakdown is and why this is a surprise. I just don't want to go backwards. Um, Bobby is turning 13 and that is like the most critical age that our little girl needs us. I was once a 13 year old girl without present parents. And that is my number one priority. But by the way, she's totally right. We just heard on Roni like two weeks ago, Bryn, you know, she was just raised by her Mimi, her grandma. And, you know, she she had her, her monthly visitor for the first time and put a tampon in her butt because she didn't have, she didn't, you know, have anybody to lean on. That's what these poor, you know, a tampon in a butt. That's what we're looking at. We need, we need, pe- we need people around. We need eyes on these kids. Also, though, I don't, I feel, I'm like, Whitney, then if you needed that, like, just tell him not to go back to work. Why, why did Justin accept the job then? You should have been like, you can stay home and we can live off the Bravo and the face money. Um, so we see awkward photos of Whitney as a young girl. She's on a rock in a cheerleading outfit. She's like on a full cheerleading outfit on a rock. Like he was like, did they take all the cheerleaders to a big rock to stand like pose on? Which is funny though. Like senior photos, um, mine were a shit show. Like I was trying to be all artistic and idiotic. And I was really way too into theater at the time. And I loved Charlie Chaplin, the silent film actor. And so like the senior pictures, I don't know if it's still like this. You got to do like three or four different looks. And my first senior photos were like a mess because I shaved my head completely um, right before that, the the senior photos. I was doing it to impress this girl, Jen. I wanted to be like the bad boy. Like I know I'm the bad boy at podcasting, but back then I was like, you know, I know hard to believe I was a little bit of a nerd. And then this like bad girl kind of like dug me and I was like, what's up with this? That's crazy. She likes me. And so I let like, she, she took me to get my ear pierced and I shaved off my hair because I wanted to look like a bad boy. And I just, I looked like a freak. Like I didn't look like a bad boy at all. Like looking back, it was a bad move. And my mom almost cried. Like she saw me and she was like, you're seeing your photos are this week. I was like, mom, it looks good, mom. Mom, I've gotten so many compliments from this one girl. <laughs> so then my hair grew out and that girl, you know, we, we moved on. And um, I did these other photos and they're all dude. no. I was wearing like a lot of structure. Remember that store structure? I think it turned into express, but I was like really into like tweed vests and like glasses and my hair, you know, like grew out and, you know, luscious curly locks. And, um, I had like, I had a denim look. I had a denim look. And the one look I, I said, I'm doing Charlie Chaplin. So I had, I dressed up like Charlie fucking Chaplin with the cane and all that. And I thought it was so badass. I, I posted these photos before on Instagram. Maybe I'll post them again tomorrow to uh, show you the misery. And I was like, nobody else is doing it like Ryan. <laughs> so I totally, I was like, yeah, of course he's posing on a rock. We all have mistakes. And I bet at the time she's like, this is so cool. I'm on a rock in my cheerleading outfit. Anyways, Whitney goes, it's not just about dropping them off at soccer or school. It's like, really knowing what's going on in their life because I lacked that as a child. I was having some horrible things done to me and no one knew. It just went under the radar because no one took the time to understand what was really going on in my life. So it's so important to figure out how Justin and I are going to be present because my biggest fear is that I miss something with 
of my kids that I missed something huge. So when he goes, our kids need us, Justin. And I also know that you need your career and I need mine. So, well, how does that work, babe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't have the answers either. Now, this is interesting too, because this is one of those, I think it's about 50% real because we know from the trailer for the season that, you know, Justin and Whitney face some relationship issues. And so I think they're setting the, the groundwork for that. But it's hard to believe because I've seen these guys in person and they do really seem like they really dig each other. Now, relationships can go south at a moment's notice, but it's one of those storylines that it's like we've seen this time and time again on Housewives. And I just don't know if my heart's into fully believing it, even though I'm down to watch it and I love Whitney. But, you know, that's that's my truth. So we're in this next scene with Angie Kay's house. Um, it is uh, it take, it's it's modeled like the uh, Greek uh <laughs> It's like the Greek structures of yore. No, it's like a really beautiful house, but it's like a lot of just like whites, like whites and grays. The family is sitting together playing a card game. Sean, the husband's like, mom, are you playing? Or are you just going to watch? And she's like, what are we playing? Slapjack. And then Electra, the daughter, goes, but we made up a new rule, mommy, that if you slap a card that isn't a jack, you have to take away three of your cards. Ah. So we see the clip of the family playing and Angie Kay in a confessional was like, Sean and I have been a team from the day we met. We were together 24-7. We loved our careers. We loved traveling. We laughed. We had fun. And it was always just the two of us. But 12 years ago, when Electra was born, there was something in life that was so much bigger now than the two of us. Our relationship changed and Electra basically gets all of our love and attention. Um, Celia, by the way, their dog is around too. And their dog has like those dyed ears. That's when you know that Angie K is, is really rich. When like you're like, you know, it's like, it's like very, I think very rich when like, I don't know, when you start like dyeing your dog's hair, like multiple different colors, but it's not like home dye. You can tell they probably professionally dyed this dog's hair. Um, also Angie K is wearing huge sunglasses, even in a clip at her house. She's really trying to make these sunglasses happen. And I think, I mean, it's, it's working. I mean, she's the carrot top of Bravo right now. Sean tells Electra that it's time for bed. He heads to the bedroom as well. Angie K stays behind and tells Electra it's time to brush her teeth. Us Greeks need our teeth. She then tucks Electra into bed and sits with her. And we see Sean get into bed along with their dog, their house, very put together. Uh, Angie K goes uh, in a confessional. I am so focused on my daughter that sometimes I forget that I'm a wife. I know that my husband feels neglected. I know he would love more intimacy. I love this. Like, I know he'd love to tap this ass on the regular. It's just right now, it's been hard for me to give that to him. And I don't know how to like focus and move on, you know, being Sean and Angie and not just being mom and dad. Sweet dreams, Electra. Yeah, that, that wasn't a confessional. And then we go back to sweet dreams. It wasn't like she was saying that monologue to Electra. I would love to have more intimacy with your dad. Um, this is another one of those scenes that we've now heard her say this about her husband of like, he would love more of my attention. So this is another one where I'm like, you got to not like, eh, these aren't subtle. These are like, obviously there's a relationship issues. We're going to be dealing with Angie K and her husband and it's being hinted about. And then we're going to get the rumors thrown in. So it kind of seems like a primrose path leading into the storyline. So now we arrive at the ski lodge with Heather and her daughters having a ski day together. And you got Annabelle and Georgia, her daughters who actually seem really cool. Uh, Heather's like, it's going to be a good day. 
And Heather in a confessional goes, most teenagers would probably rather be caught dead than hang out with their parents. But as trite as as it sounds, my daughters really are my best friends. We're a tight-knit group, and I read on my calorie app that skiing burns 450 calories an hour. So two birds, one stone. (laughs) I just pissed myself. Getting my steps in and quality parenting. So they almost fall off the lift. They all laugh. We see the montage of the girls skiing. They go get some hot chocolate. Uh, by the way, every time I've said this every time, every time I see physical activity like skiing or I'm just like, how quickly would my knee give out? I like, I just, I would not be able, I would just first run just down. Heather goes, okay, let's take the temperature of this warm cocoa. And Annabelle's like, I'm scared. I know I'll test first. And Annabelle's like, ask for an ice cube. How is it, mom? Is it burning? Heather goes, it is burning. I'm just going to grab a little bit of snow that I peed in. And Annabelle goes, I would love that. And Heather goes, I'll get a natural ice cube. Mom, that's so gross. And I'm like, wait until you see your pee and puke. Georgia goes, that's so funny, mom. And Annabelle goes, maybe it'll work good. Heather's walking over with the snow. You can take a little bit of the mountain with you to cool you down. Take a chunk of the mountain. And Georgia goes, it's going to water it down, mom. It'll cool it off, Georgia, so you can drink it. Well, now it's cold, mom. I promise you, Georgia, it's not cold. She takes a sip. Perfection. And then they cheers and they're like, oh, yay to skipping school, playing hooky. And Heather goes, I know, I'm so happy you're skipping school. Every time I send you to school, Annabelle, I feel a little bit of anxiety. You know that, Annabelle? And Annabelle goes, wait, why? Well, because of all the bullying. It is bugging me. It makes me nervous. Do you get anxiety before you go in every day? Um, Mom, it's not that big of a deal. It's only if someone like posts something online or I don't know. And Heather goes, when someone's giving a class presentation and one person turns their chair around, that's drama. That's not community of caring. And Emma's like, I know, mom. Heather in a confessional goes, you know, this is a community that's steeped in Mormonism. So my daughters were already facing scrutiny by me leaving the church, but it is not living and not living this cookie cutter perfect life of my book caused them to have more problems to deal with. I love that Heather, I love when Heather does this and leaves out the show part of it. What about you? What about the black eye, the scissoring comments? What about you peeing and puking last week? Like, I love how we act like the show doesn't exist on the show. It's like this book, this book really did. Those kids at school, they said it's a page turner. Like all those kids have read, you know, bad Mormon. It's, it's just wild when it's like, no, the show did this. The visual images of the show did this. So we get a flashback to one month earlier in a scene with Heather telling Meredith about this. And Heather's like, Georgia got a note that said, you're the C word. And Meredith goes, what? That's the one I. And Heather goes, Annabelle got cookies sent to her, calling her the C word. And Meredith goes, that is really sick and demented. But were the cookies good? No, that is wild. So she's saying Georgia got a, a note with the C word in it. And then. Annabelle got cookies with the C word. Annabelle definitely won because no, you can't eat the cookies. I don't, if you gave me cookies with fat fuck on it, I'd be like, are these, you know, if these are these like white chocolate macadamia nut? Like, I mean, it would be really still very exciting once I got over the hurt, but just a note with it. And also what kid, like these kids, it obviously is the same kid or is it everybody in Utah schools using the C word in like disparaging notes and cookies? A disparity. Like she got sent a disparaging cookie. That really is the politest way to like. I want to tell somebody the, the c word, but I also don't want them to be hungry. Like that's cookies. Like that. We be do a pizza next. Heather in a confessional goes. 
I want to write a second book. Uh-oh. But I don't want my children to be judged by my actions. What about the show, Heather? Stop with the book. It's the show. And I feel like my kids are dealing with things that if I had just kept my head down and kept my head down and my pee inside my body, that they would not be facing this. And Heather goes, do you girls feel safe? And Annabelle's like, like at school? Yeah. And George's like, yeah. Well, you really feel like you've got it handled and you're just going to endure it. Well, mom, it's just like petty little things. Like I'm not getting like pushed down. Like, you know, well, I mean, I did get pushed down that one day. That was wild too of like, I'm not getting physically attacked. Well, there was that one day. I'm like, oh my God. Heather goes, yeah, you did. And so did you. You both got shoulder shoved. That's a push. That's physical. Heather goes, I know. Jen Shaw used to push me on the daily. Annabelle goes, now they just make like silly jokes, mom. Like I honestly laugh at it because I think it's funny. And Georgia goes, it's funny to just realize how bothered they are when we've clearly moved on. And Annabelle goes, they're obsessed. Heather goes, I know that you guys think it's funny, but I don't think it's funny. And Heather starts to tear up, you know, and George is like, mom, please stop trying to make a scene out of it. And Georgia goes, I know, mom, you care too much. Heather goes, I don't want to send you out there. It pisses me off. And I feel responsible. Like I've put a target on your back and then it's not funny to me. You should just go to school, be 15 and be safe. Yeah, that's what you should do. Heather in a confessional goes, watching them minimize the way that they're being treated. I mean, it feels like very familiar to me, you know? And then we get a flashback to Heather deflecting about the black eye last season of like, it's not important how I got it. Oh, shut up, Heather. This isn't about you. Oh my God, you minimized everything. Oh my God, you're a grown up. Act like one. Oh my God, my kid. Yeah, and maybe you shouldn't do this shit anymore. So your kids, if they are learning anything from you, don't learn how to minimize things. Like, my God, it just reminds me of exactly how I was raised and probably how I've raised them. And I want to break that cycle. So there's a great housewives trope right there is breaking the cycle. That's a housewives trope. You've really, I think it's only really come to fruition in the last five years as breaking the cycle of abuse. That's been kind of a buzz term a lot. I mean, I think it's a good buzz term. It's something that we should work to do in our own lives, but it really has become in vogue uh, in the last five years, I believe. So you see that with a lot of housewives of breaking the cycle. So Heather goes, so am I making it worse by talking about it? Do you want me to just ignore it? And Georgia goes, not ignore it, but have healthy conversations about it. I say this time and time again, kids are smarter than adults most days. I mean, truly, that's a gene. Not ignore it, but have healthy conversations about it, mom. That's truly smart. And Heather goes, the last thing I want to do is overreact so that when something happens, you come home and you don't tell me. And Annabelle goes, that's what I'm saying, mom. When you emailed my teacher and then made me be like, well, I don't know if I should keep telling her then because I don't want that to happen. And Heather goes, I hate that you feel like you have to be strong now so that I don't overreact and so that they don't know they're hurting you. And Georgia goes, I know how much you just like want to protect us and care, but it's like sometimes out of control, mom. So we just have to choose how we react to it. These kids are fucking smart, way smarter than Heather or me, or I mean, my God, Annabelle goes, well, to me, mom, it's funny that they keep trying. It's better to like take the higher road. Like they're still thinking about it. It's just like, wow. Like, why are you so obsessed with me? It would be funny if Annabelle's like, but mom, we really do want to know why, how you got the black guy. Like if they like turn around and kind of bully their mom, like what's it, what is it, mom? What is it, bad Mormon? Tell us the secrets. Georgia goes, I'm living in their head rent free. And Annabelle goes, I just know they live like sad lives and keep like doing it. And Heather goes, where do you think it comes from? Honestly. And Annabelle goes deep, deep trauma. And Heather goes, you know what Meredith Marks would say? (laughs) 
<laughs> do you kids? Do you know what Meredith Marks would say? No, she goes. Do you know what Meredith Marks could say? Would say, jealousy is a disease. Get well soon. I like that everybody thinks Meredith is like this person that like lays down really strong lines. I like Meredith. I love Meredith, but I don't think of her as like, man, she is nailing these girls to the wall with what she says. Oh my God. Her reads are amazing. I just don't think of Meredith like that. I think she gets treated like she is so elevated, but time and time again, like it'll do the things that really stand out is just like the accent work and like how serious she takes herself and, and, and the room like that. It's funny. Like you, you kids, you know what Meredith Marks would say? So anyways, now we arrive at Bauer Lodge where Lisa is setting up for her opera no ski party. The food is being set up. There's a Vita ice sculpture. Do they, my God, this Vita tequila at what, what point are we going to break even like Vita tequila has any, I like Vita Tequila. I have no problem with it. I'd like some free bottles of it, but the branding is everywhere, but I still have yet to see Vita Tequila at a grocery store. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just not in Los Angeles. Who knows? Anyways, there's ice luges. It's a big party. Looks fun. We have shot skis everywhere. Angie comes in and she has like smaller glasses. It's like, she got the note about the big glasses. She's, she's like, they'll see that I can do it all. Not just big windshield wiper sunglasses. I can do tiny sunglasses. That's called multitudes. It's called being a triple threat. I can wear big sunglasses. I can wear medium-sized sunglasses. And I can wear teeny tiny sunglasses. I'm the best. And Lisa's like, it looks so good, the party. I need a fucking tan. Lisa in a confessional goes, listen, I work hard. I can afford the things that I have. That's why I have them. And this party is celebrating the fact that I'm a smart, successful woman. There's a byproduct of working hard and that's called money. I appreciate nice things and thank God somebody does or Dolce and Gabbana wouldn't have customers. She nailed it, man. What a great thing to say. Like that is true. Like working hard. Like, I love, hey man. It's Lisa's world. I totally love it. She's rationalized to to herself and it makes sense to me. I'm the same way with Old Navy of like a byproduct of working sort of hard is being able to afford um, brands like Old Navy where it looks good and it'll last you about half a year, even though I will keep some of my Old Navy clothes for decades. Lisa goes, you guys, really, it looks amazing. I'm excited. Thank you for all your help. Whitney comes in carrying a shot ski. And Whitney's like, hi. Oh, oh my gosh, Whitney. Do you need a shot ski? I die. I love it. We see the rest of the gang arriving at the party, taking shots out of the shot ski, telling each other how beautiful each other look. You look beautiful. No, you look beautiful. You look beautiful. Ooh, ooh. Angie K has switched sunglasses to a new pair of sunglasses that literally looks like she strapped a remote control to her face. <laughs> at first, Meredith walks in and greets everyone but Angie K. But then Meredith does end up saying, hello. like, hello. Hello. I guess I say hello to you too. Hello. What's up? Okay. Uh, Meredith in confessional and she's Meredith in the confessional looks very bright. She's wearing like, I don't know. It looks like some kind of weird belted mink. She said, look, I know I can't avoid Angie. And it's simple to say hello to someone that you do know, even if they do behave like a dog. We see three different instances when someone has referred to Angie K as a dog acting like a chihuahua, a dog, a pit bull. <laughs> 
<laughs> What's new on Salt Lake this season? Well, we're really focusing on calling one lady in particular different kinds of dogs. The party has officially started, folks, and they're drinking. Uh, Meredith also finishes that whole thought up with, but perhaps she should be kept on a leash somewhere far away from me. If I was Meredith, I would also probably add, like, well, maybe she can find, um, uh, what are those things that dogs piss on? What are, what are those things? The um, the red, uh, you know, the, the dog pissing things. I Hopefully she can find one of them. Joe, I was... <laughs> fire hydrants at it that's what i was that's the word heather walks in and greets meredith and notices meredith is wearing all white and heather goes you risked wearing cream with all this bronzer and Meredith's like hopefully i didn't ruin it and lisa whitney and angie k are standing together and lisa's like i need to see this whole vibe angie k and angie k's like here's the vibe and she takes off her coat showing her outfit to the ladies this is like my mother all winter and angie k goes i am like her mom and i'm like all of her old friends in new york right i'm greek She's like, I was telling her like, and Angie K goes, pre-nose job. You would never got a nose job if you grew up where I did, Ange. And Angie K goes, no, I know. When you grow up in Salt Lake City, everyone's like beautiful and looks like Whitney. Whitney goes, you had a nose job? Yeah, I was the only Greek girl for miles. I'm like, Whitney, did you not see any of the yearbook photos they've been showing on the show? And Lisa goes, no, it's like the perfect nose job, Angie K. It's perfect. Monica walks up to Meredith and Heather and they all say hi. And Heather's like, I feel like everybody's doing creams and lighter tones. And Heather is dressed up like one of those silver metallic uh, popcorn things you put over the oven and they pop like Drew Barrymore's making at the beginning of the screen. Uh, Lisa walks up to the group and they all greet one another, more hugging, more beautiful. You look beautiful. Hi, everybody. Get something to toast with. We're toasting. Okay, you guys, let's just have fun. Be who you are. Be who you want to be. I love all of you. I'm so glad you're here. Cheers. They're all like holding these little champagne bottles. Um, and, you know, when he's like, do you want us to pop the bottle? Yes, pop your bottle. Angie K is struggling to open her champagne bottle. And she's like, I drink Uzo. I don't know how to do this. I'm Greek. Heather goes, I learned how to do this when I was a missionary in the south of France. And Angie K goes, oh my God, I love your church. <laughs> On the count of three, all the ladies pop their bottles. And Angie K, of course, goes, Opa. I noticed everyone, uh, they're drinking a cocktail or champagne, but sorry, I'm weird indigestion. Heather K is drinking a beer and we see monica at the crepe bar there's a crepe bar making crepes it's crazy ordering a raspberry crepe and lisa walks up and monica goes it's so cute your party lisa aren't they cute yeah amazing right i'm happy good oh i like when you're happy monica we don't like the other monica and monica goes oh my gosh thank you this crepe is beautiful look how pretty that is like for real i was a little bugged that you called me materialistic and Monica goes, I had to do a little prickly, okay? I'm fine with prickly. I don't like where you took it after the prickly. Where did I take it? I mean, to get to a point where you're like, you're a piece of shit. And we flash back to Lisa being called a piece of shit in Portuguese. Read the room, Monica. Everybody's here is materialistic. Everybody flew here in private jets today. And Monica goes, you read the room. Everyone had to say a prickly. That was the game in, in Palm Springs, a prickly. 
Lisa's pointing around the room. Balmain, Valentino. And Monica's like, guess what? Pointing to herself, Zara, Steve Madden. Oh my God. When I, like 2005, Steve Madden had these men's shoes. I don't usually buy myself like nicer things. And it's funny, like Steve Madden's probably not even considered a nicer thing, but these shoes were like 75, 80 bucks. And they were like black and they had these three white stripes on the side. Like it was like black shoe, but then three white stripes kind of looked, it was just the coolest. I wish they still sell those. I felt so cool that year. Like truly. Anyways, I got a side note from Laura Beth Harp going, Ryan, Balmain and Valentino are high end luxury brands. Zara is a more affordable brand, just like our beloved old Navy. Steve Madden is also more affordable and can often be found at TJ Maxx. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I do know Balmain and Valentino because I've heard those names on Kardashians. Lisa goes, and that works for you, Zara and Steve Madden. And Monica goes, I'm not materialistic exactly, but there's nothing wrong with being materialistic. And Monica goes, but just own that. There's nothing wrong with that. That was my prickly. Monica, I worked hard. And my philosophy is I work hard. And Monica goes, they work hard. And she's pointing at the people making the crepes. And the people, they're like, you know, just to be honest, we just fucking make crepes. Like, I get to go home with them. I don't even have responsibilities. <laughs> These guys work hard, Lisa. Everyone works hard. No, no. Listen, we're not going to involve everyone else. Please, please don't involve the crepe makers. I'm just saying, Lisa, but I work hard so I can have anything I want. If you're going to judge me, I want you to judge everyone here in this room. And Monica's like, but they're not all like, oh, I'm getting on a private jet with Snoop Dogg. I didn't say that. I've never said that to you. Yeah, you did. You don't remember that conversation. When? That's not true. I never said that to you. You're making shit up now. That was a fact. I have never said that about Snoop Dogg in my entire life. I was right there and you said that. I have never said that. That never happened. You made that up. Okay, Lisa. Monica, that never happened. You're lying. And Lisa walks away. And Monica's like, okay, walk away. Monica, you know, directly to the crate makers. In a confessional, Monica goes, I don't even remember how long ago I was running through the airport to give Lisa something for Jen. And she was crying about how I could be on a jet with Snoop Dogg right now. And I mean, that's Lisa in a nutshell, crying over private jets and Snoop Dogg. First off, what did you have to run to an airport to give Lisa something for Jen? I mean, that sounds fun. I... I had to give, I had to give Lisa five pounds of Colombian blow to give him to Jen. Like, what, what, what is that all about? Like, I, I don't even care about Snoop Dogg at this point. Lisa in a confessional goes, we've never had that conversation ever. Monica in her confessional goes, by the way, bitch, Snoop Dogg doesn't want to hang out with you. I can guarantee you that right now. Lisa in a confessional goes, if I wanted to hang out with Snoop Dogg, trust me, I'd be hanging out with Snoop Dogg. I love that Lisa's like, but I'd much rather be hanging out with Too Short, all the members of Two Live Crew, Big Daddy Kane, those t- juvenile. Lisa walks over to Heather and Angie Kay, and then Monica walks by, and Lisa's like, she said I said I was getting on a private jet with Snoop Dogg. And Monica goes, I just want to eat my damn crepe. It's ridiculous, though. She's making stuff up. I never said that. I didn't make it up, Lisa. It's making up stuff. I do go on private jets, but never with Snoop Dogg. I would never say that. I go on jets with the Rough Riders. Monica goes, right. You said I could have gone on a jet with Snoop Dogg. And Heather goes, I've partied with Snoop Dogg. 
And Monica's like, have you really? Yeah, I have a picture of me and Snoop. And Monica's like, do you really? And she's like, yeah. And we see a picture from 2015 with Snoop Dogg and Heather. We also do, like, Lisa posted a picture of her and Snoop Dogg. Like, Snoop Dogg just must be a huge Housewives fan or just takes pictures with ladies. And Heather goes, do you want to, you know, anyways. And Monica goes uh, to Lisa goes, well, why can't you just own it like that? Like Heather just did. And Lisa goes, no. <laughs> Monica goes, you have to be so defensive. We flash over to Heather and Whitney sitting together and Heather's like, they can fight. I'll eat. And then we see the one, the only da 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 Mary Cosby coming in the C parts, the crowd parts and just Mary Cosby. She's already judging things as she walks in the room. She sees Lisa and Monica fight and she's like, Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord. Mary in a confessional goes, I walk in like arguing. And it's like, oh, God. And then they do like these chipmunk voices. They're like, like to make like how funny they sound. And Monica goes, the only person coaching is you coaching Angie. No one coaches me. I say what the fuck I want to say, Lisa. And Mary in a confessional goes, somebody rescue me quick. And Mary talking to herself goes, I'm overdressed. Yeah, this is killing it. Oh, my God. Mary already regretting not staying at McDonald's in Palm Springs. We're back to Lisa versus Monica. And Lisa's like, don't be triggered. Guess what? You're at my party and eating the fabulous stuff I worked hard for. Angie K picks up the food off Monica's plate and tries to feed her. Here, bitch, put that in your mouth. And just Monica takes it from her hand and tosses it back at Angie K. And Angie K's like, seriously, Monica? And Monica's like, are you joking right now? No, it's not funny to me, Angie says. You keep bringing shit up. And I said, put that in your mouth. And Monica goes, Angie, don't fucking start with me. You're going to open Pandora's box. You have no idea. Do not feed people, folks, unless it's like sexy feeding, like with consent. And Lisa's like, wait, no, no, no. That's rude. That's rude, Monica. And Monica pushes Lisa's hand away. Get your finger out of my face. And Lisa's like, I'll put my finger wherever I want. I want a fucking tan. Get your finger out of my face. And what I love about this is Monica's like, she's doing these hand motions. She's like, get your finger out of my face. And she's like pointing like rapidly. Get your finger. She's very pointing in Lisa's face. It's so, it's very dynamic to watch. Uh, Lisa moves closer to Monica and puts her hands on her shoulders. And Lisa's like, Monica. And Monica goes, are you serious right now? Monica, stop yelling. You're screaming in my face. This is how I talk, Lisa. Go down a little lower. This is how I talk, Lisa. That's the level of my voice. Take it down a little bit. Drop it to the floor. Get a little bit softer now. Get a little bit softer now. That's the level of my voice, Lisa. I can't hear you right now. It's too high for my hearing. <laughs> Mary walks up to Meredith and Meredith goes, hi, honey. You look gorgeous, Mary Cosby. Meredith has such a boner for Mary Cosby. It is so wild. This show is so weird. And Mary goes, I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to be greeted or do I walk over to you? Are you kidding me? Mary, oh my God, look at you. Let's look at you, Mary. You're a vision, Mary Cosby. Back to Lisa sitting with Monica, Angie K, and Whitney. And Lisa's like, let's sit down over there. Super private. So Mary and Meredith, hug and kiss, still talking about Mary's outfit. Meredith still just kissing Mary's ass. They've never seen clothing like this. Meredith goes, this is like spectacular. Like, are you sure? Are you kidding? Like, show chic. Well, thank you. Heather walks up and Heather goes, can I come greet you? And Mary's like, 
hey, baby. Like, I love people are coming to kiss the ring. And Mary's like, yeah, come on over. Come on over. Heather goes, I got to escape what's happening over there and points to Lisa. Lisa's still talking. We hear her go, for me, I don't like when somebody says, you think you're better than me. Then we go back to Heather, Mary, um, and they're still talking about Mary's outfit. And Heather's like, hi, what is this, Mary? Who is this designer? I've never seen clothing like this in my life. And Mary's like, I, I don't know. The mannequin picked it out of my closet. And you know, Heather's like, oh, and Mary goes, don't you just die? We're back to Lisa. And Lisa's like, all you are is about that because it's not true. I feel like you have an idea of me and it's not me. And you should get to know me before you tell me who I am. And Monica's like, that's not my intention. And Whitney goes, can you honor that's not her? All of a sudden, Whitney, but can you honor that's not her intention, even though it felt that way? And Lisa's like, okay, I believe you. And like, we're fine. Lisa in a confessional goes, I do not want, I do want closure to this conversation with Monica. The bottom line is calling me materialistic is stupid. Like we have different interests and my interests are more expensive than yours. Shout out Snoop. Sipping on gin and juice, laid back with my mind on my money and my money on Bono. Lisa goes, I'm deeper than what you think I am too. And Monica goes, I don't think you're shallow. Monica in a confessional goes, I'm just done talking about this. I'm over it. So Lisa and Monica hug. One of the weirdest housewives tropes ever of like, okay, blow up fight. Let's hug. We're great. Lisa's like, stop bringing up labels, bitch. And they both laugh. Monica in a confessional goes, we all know she's still materialistic AF. So Let's get another crepe. And Heather's like, you want a crepe? And Mary goes, no, I just need to sit for a second. There's nowhere to sit. And Heather goes, oh, Mary, your coat's getting in the pizza. Her beautiful coat that everybody thinks is the best outfit they've ever been made in the world is getting into this pizza. And, and they're like, Mary, Mary, your coat's getting in the pizza. And Mary goes, ah, good looking out, girl. <laughs> Mary already is livening up the whole atmosphere. We get a flash over to Lisa calling out to the DJ, DJ Dolph. DJ Dolph, give us a good beat on the ones and twos. Then we see Whitney, Angie K, and Lisa dancing. Greek. Angie K says she doesn't know how to dance unless it's Greek music or belly dancing. Super weird. We get a flashback to Mary talking to herself. And Mary's like, I don't know about Whitney. Whitney looks cheap. Like Mary is just watching Whitney from a from across the room and goes, that Whitney, she looks cheap. <laughs> Monica goes in order to that other crepe that she didn't eat the first one. She goes to sit down next to Mary. and. Uh, Mary, just looking at her, Mary's like, what are you eating first off? She's like, a crepe. Oh, a crepe? And Monica goes, a raspberry chocolate crepe. Oh, that's good. And then you can just tell Mary's just judging her, just looking at her. And Monica goes, did you get any food? Oh, no. Oh, no. Kind of like, this place is trash. No Mickey D's. And Mary's just watching Monica eat and laughing and smiling to herself. And, you know, he's like, oh, you're one of those eaters. And Meredith walks over and sits with them. And Mary's like, okay, ladies. And Monica's like, hi. And Mary goes, you like to eat, Monica. Every time I see you, you're eating. And Monica goes, I love food. Yeah. But you don't care what you eat? Like, you eat vegetables? And Monica goes, well, there was raspberry in the crepe. Monica in a confessional goes, I love that Mary is unapologetically herself. In the scene, Mary goes, because you're a beautiful girl. And Monica goes like, thank you. Well, don't just eat your life away. <laughs> Mary fully fat shaming. My, oh, I see you eating all the time, girl. Like Mary literally stopped in a McDonald's when they were at that gay bar. Not just a filet fish and a filet fish McNuggets, fries. Like, are you kidding me? I've seen you eat a lot, Mary. Monica in a confessional goes, at this point, it's my mission to make Mary like me. We get a flashback to three weeks ago where Monica tells Mary, you're so great. I freaking love you. But Mary's like, I don't really care, though. And Monica's like, I'm just going to live in my delusion that Mary and I are besties. 
And Monica is like, Mary, you got your nails done. She's like, I did. Well, I noticed Mary. And then Mary goes, they're good nose pickers. Like what, Mary? Like you're so classy. And then you're like, this is, this is the name. I got these nails done so I could dig out the boogers in my nose. The party's in full swing. Lisa and Whitney get another drink from the bar. Heather and Angie K are dancing. The hibiscus margarita ice luge is a big hit. And Angie's talking to Heather and like, you were smart in school, Heather. I don't think I was. And Heather's like, you were not smart. And Angie's like, no, I wasn't. But you've always been scrappy, Angie K. They called me lefty. And I thought it was because they thought I shoplifted something, but it was because my left boob was bigger than my right. And Angie K laughs. And I laugh too. Back over to Monica and Meredith. And Monica's like, are you going to talk to Angie today at all? And Meredith's like, about what? About what? She goes, about what? She extends the what? About what? And Monica goes, well, if she came up to you, would you talk to her? Well, she should do whatever resonates for her, you know? And Monica's like, yeah. And Meredith goes, I mean, clearly she does. She shoved whipped cream in your mouth. And then she does this weird, the weird Meredith laugh. She goes, hee. And Monica goes, that was fucking wild, dude. Like, what the freak is really going on, Angie? Because you were just lashing out. Whitney in a confessional goes, Meredith is relentlessly coming for Angie, and it's clear that she's not going to stop. So who is going to end this? Whitney's like, I might have to end this for everybody, but I'm not going to be able to tell the rumor, so I need to get somebody else to say it on camera. Um, Monica! Whitney goes and gets some shots from the Shotsky, gets Monica. Meredith and some random lady join her while Mary watches them. Meredith to Mary goes, Mary, do you want a shot? And Mary just shakes her head no. Whitney to Monica goes, do you want to come talk to me? And Monica's like, yeah, bitch. And then Meredith to Mary goes, well, Mary, maybe that's what you need to liven you up instead of coffee. <laughs> shot. Mary goes, I don't know. Maybe. I'm already tired today. Woo. We get a flashback over to a flash over to Whitney and Monica talking. And Whitney goes, so I told you Meredith made a threat about Angie. I don't really want anything to do with it, but Angie's our friend. And Monica's like, right. She's standing here with all of us. And if this was going on behind my back, I'd want someone to tell me. And Monica goes, I would want to know too. So do you know what the rumor is? Do you know what it is, Whitney? No, I've only heard the threat that Meredith gave me that Angie should be warned. Okay, well, everyone's heard it. I'm surprised you haven't. No, I haven't. I swear to God, you can never prove that in court. <laughs> okay, well, to be completely frank with you, people are talking about how her husband fucks other men. And Whitney looks down, oh my God, sweet Jesus, sweet baby Jesus. And how and how they have an arrangement and that their marriage is completely fake. And Whitney goes, no, 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 no. There's no way. No, I've seen them fuck in person. I've seen, I've been to swinger parties with, no. She's like, no, 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 no. Angie needs to know this. I feel like I'm going to pass out. Like, really? Are you going to pass? Like, come on. Do you watch Housewives? I've, I've, I've heard worse. I mean, and by the way, this isn't bad. It's not bad to be gay. They have an arrangement. They have an arrangement. I don't think, I mean, who, and then we see a shot of Meredith laughing. Like, <laughs> Monica is like, I know this is hard. Honestly, I do. It's really hard for me, Monica. Really, Meredith should be the last fucking person to talk about this. Whitney in a confessional goes, it's like the rumor wasn't enough that Sean has allegedly slapped out on Angie. It's now questioning Sean's sexual orientation and like as a strong ally in the community and her connection with Glad, I expected more from Meredith. And Monica goes, okay, before we deal this, do this, let's get a shot of Vita Tequila. Sponsored by Vita Tequila. And... Whitney's like, let's just black out after. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> back over to Mary. And Mary's like, Heather, what made you wear that necklace? And Heather's wearing this big statement necklace. And she's like, I love that necklace. And Mary goes, you do? 
You do? And Heather goes, well, I think it brings out the champagne of the coat. I think it adds some flair to the turtleneck. And I have matching earrings and I'm standing behind it. And Mary just shakes her head. You totally missed on that one, Heather. <laughs> I love it. I love that they just let her, they have to let her tell the truth. and They can't do anything about it because they want her to film. Monica and Whitney are at the bar. Angie K walks up and they're like, um, we need to talk to you. Um, let, can we talk? Let's do a shot at the ice luge. You're going to need this shot. Come on. Shot, shot, shot. Hoppa. Anyways, Angie's like, why? What you guys, what's going on? I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable with the way like your energy is off right now, ladies. <laughs> but you can tell she's secretly like, oh my God, <laughs> is this what it feels like to have a storyline? This is amazing. When he's like, I'm very uncomfortable. And then he's like, why are you uncomfortable? What's going on? When we were in Palm Springs, Meredith said to both Lisa and I that she knew stuff and that she threatened that you, she should be careful because she knows shit about you, stuff about your marriage and your husband. And this is why we're nipping it in the bud. And then Monica goes, is it butt or bud? Not the time, Monica. And she's like, okay, who cares about that? Who? She's gone to you and you about spreading rumors about my marriage. And then Monica goes, the rumor is that Sean likes to fuck other men. And then Angie K goes like, are you fucking kidding? Are you fucking kidding me? Monica's like, no, she is crazy. I'm sorry. I've been with my husband for 27 years. We are loyal to each other. Meredith lives to lie about other people's marriages. And the only one that's spreading their legs outside of their marriage, marriage is Meredith. And then we see another shot of Meredith going, hee. And Monica goes, she is saying that his boyfriends need to be quiet because they're out in the streets of Salt Lake They're out here in the streets of Salt Lake City re, uh, talking about fucking your husband. I love that, like, in this... Salt Lake City sounds wild. Like, just men in the street just reacting about this guy. Angie K goes, oh my God, I'm sick and tired of her lies and people do not talk to me about me or my Greek family like this. You know what? She's a sick bitch. And then Angie K gets up and walks to Meredith to talk to her. Then we, at the last scene, Angie K goes, Hey, Meredith, do you have a second? And then she puts on a gigantic sunglass that just covers her entire face and body. No, not that, but she does confront Meredith. And, and that's where it's to be continued. So we're going to find out next week. What an exciting, fun, great episode. I do want to let you know that Angie K was on Watch What Happens Live. Her husband was in the audience. And even Andy said, it's ridiculous. That, you know, first off, being gay, not bad. It, it just isn't, you know? And also it is ridiculous for anybody to out anybody and especially in a rumor type thing that is potentially not true. That is dangerous. It's bad. It's not good. It's not the way to go. Not a good look, Meredith. Um, and I hate that that got brought up on camera, but they, you know, Sean seemed like he has a good handle on it. He was the Watch What Happens Live audience. And he says, listen, we have a great gay clientele. We do a lot of the community for that. Um, and so who knows, but it, it was just, it, it's icky. It's icky, right? Icky. <laughs> Anyways, that brings us to the end of this episode. You guys, thank you so much for supporting me. As I said in the beginning, I truly appreciate it. I don't take it lightly. Join the Patreon. I'll talk to you more on over there if you want more. And uh, come back here bright and early on Monday for an all new week of So Bad It's Good. Also, we're at the, the weekend. So what do you do on the weekend? You take time for yourself. You hang out with people that you know and that you love. Call somebody up and remind them that, that you love them, you know, or text it too. That's easier if you don't want to talk to somebody. Read something cool. Watch something great. Eat something good. Drink something great. Maybe get a little tipsy. Maybe dance. Maybe dance like nobody's nobody's watching. Maybe exercise. Maybe don't. Just do a bunch of really cool stuff this weekend or whatever floats your boat and fills you up and gives you energy to go into another week. And man... I feel lucky. Thank you guys. 
So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com and follow the show at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.